First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey, this is Alex, and you're tuned into the Market Adventures podcast. It's Wednesday, December 2nd, and I have great news. We're going to have Lindsay Sutherland on the show next week, and you're really going to love this episode. Now, Lindsay, after losing both of her parents at a way too young of an age, she realized that there's no guarantee of someday. She's on a mission to help people live a meaningful life without compromising through building passive income businesses and strategies. Her show, the Passive Income Examiner Podcast, features her own adventure as well as expert guests that offer eye-opening insights to wealth building. She wants you to start living the life you are longing for. And you can start that by listening to the Passive Income Examiner show. Now, I've already interviewed Lindsay, and I got to tell you, it was amazing. I'm actually going to be on her podcast sometime in the coming weeks. So I'm really excited for y'all to hear from her. Now, in this episode, right, in this first episode of the Stock Market Trading School, quick, pause it, send it to a friend so they can join you in class. They can sit right next to you. We're going to talk about how to get started in the stock market. And I'm going to introduce you to the outside-in trading strategy while also trying to break down this crazy world of the stock market into the most simplest and most basic of terms so that you can understand it and anybody you bring with you can understand it and get started as soon as you're done with this school. Hope you enjoyed the episode. So welcome to the first class of the Market Adventures Trading School. Now, the first thing that everybody should know is that this is much easier than it looks, right? Let's not let's not um, make things complicated, right? Making things complicated as, as humans and as people in this society, it almost gives us a back door, right? It gives us a way to to run out, um, to run out of the classroom, to run away from having to learn something new. And it does it is going to seem hard at first, but this is me telling you at the intro to the school that it's a lot easier than you think. Right, a lot of the things that that you would know, um, just using I don't want to say common sense, but using your own gut feelings, where you would be a, a very brilliant trader if you traded on those. But for some reason, whenever anybody enters a new field, just as humans, we seem to complicate it much further than the actual um, comprehension and application of that particular field. So the stock market is no different, right? We just have to find a way to break it down from, you know, textbook terminology to a layperson's techno- uh, terminology, right? The everyday person's terminology. So that's why we're in class today. Now, the major, the, the trend, right? Trend is like a an ocean, not like an ocean, it's like a river. The river is going in one direction. 
Now, there are some outliers. There's some fish that can swim upstream. There's some boats that can go upstream. But generally, when you're, when you're in a river, you tend to go with the flow. So the, the market, the stock market, kind of moves like that, where there are some outliers. There are some, uh, there are some uh, moments where things will move differently than the major trend. But more times than not, when you see the major trend heading in one direction, the next thing you want to do is to make sure is to, to check the different um, groups, right, the different sectors, and see how they're moving as well. Now, again, I went I went straight from rivers to sectors and groups. the The, the main thing is to understand that there is a, a bigger there's a bigger force at work, right, and that's the river. And there are a lot of little things within the river. Right. There are a lot of different sectors and groups within the river. But the first thing to know is which way is it going? So in March, where we had a um, a correction, a collapse of the market, it didn't matter where you were. It didn't matter what sector you were in. The majority of companies, publicly traded companies in the country and in the world, in fact, because it went across different countries as well, went in one direction, and that's down, right? So the whole river was going down. So you could really have taken a rock and just thrown it in. You could have picked any company, any company within any marketplace in the world internationally, and you would have had a winning trades, right? You could have shorted any company, you'd have winning trades. So, and to short means to bet that it's going to go down, right? We'll just throw it in there. So, Understanding the major trend is super important. Now, do we get something like that often where the the river is going in one direction and everything follows it? Not always the case, but it is important to know if you're going to enter a new space, which way everything is going. And that goes for anything. I mean, if you want to do real estate, Forex, um, you want to buy you know, ATMs, you want to flip some Jordans, you want to know where the majority of people and the majority of, of emotions are going so you have an idea of where your strategy fits in alignment with that right super important now trading with the, with the major trend right trading with the river is a natural hedge or or protection that means that if the entire um if the if what is representative of the economy which is the S&P 500 it is an aggregate Right, it is a a grouping of five hundred of the largest companies that are publicly traded in America. Right, so the S and P five hundred, a lot of people try uh, tend to see that as almost a gauge for our economy. Now, that's not one hundred percent accurate because it is only an indicator. Right, you have to use different indicators to come to one solution. But it is a major indicator, which means it is a major tool used to kind of gauge where um, the market participants, which are me, you, uh, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, where the market participants think the economy is or is going in the future, right? So that's what the S&P 500 is. Now, there's a couple different indicators. We're going to use that one. Uh, generally throughout the school because it is easier to keep um, the terminology as slim as possible because, again, we are here to to learn how to make it understandable for us, right? We're not here to become market economists over the course of three or four episodes. We are here to to understand, okay, this is it. This is how I can get started 
And this is how I can get introduced and, and start actually applying some of this knowledge today and not have to feel like I have to go read a textbook. Because if I have to go read a textbook for something, I have no interest. I don't think I have an interest in going into it. That's why I couldn't be a doctor. I mean, the application process, it takes so much long to start applying your skills. You have to take so much time just reading and doing theory. We're here to talk about theory, but also talk about the application, right? So back to what I was saying, the natural hedge or going with the major trend protects your decision because generally, if the entire um, market group, which again is me, you, anybody who invests, or even if they don't invest, and the, the major banks and institutions if those people are all saying that the SP 500, they're willing to sell it or make it go down, then generally you're thinking that a majority of the companies involved in the SP 500 or in the broader market in general, you're gonna, you can assume that they're going to try to follow the trend. Now, like I said, there are outliers. For instance, when the market was struggling, um, a sector or a certain group within the market, like technology, right, was showing a lot of strength. Why is that? Everybody else is going down during COVID, but people are using more and more technology because they have to stay indoors and they have to stay entertained and connected and work from home. So technology was moving opposite of the market. In some cases, technology the sector, the group within the major group, right? We just went one level below. That sector of technology was holding up the market. Now, that means that everything else in the market was coming down, but because technology was doing relatively decent in terms of people's enthusiasm for that particular group, then the market was being essentially propped up by one of its other sectors, right? So, Going back to what I said before, the uh, the market or the river moves based on people like you and me and people like institutional banks. Like, I put us all on the same level. Why is that? Institutional banks have a lot of power in terms of being able to move large amounts of money, uh, people, commodities. They have the power to move a lot of big things because they have a lot of money, but the same thing goes for you and I. If we refuse to spend our money, then there is no liquidity in the market. Liquidity allows investors to be able to pull money out of the market, right? Now, that's not the textbook definition, but essentially, if you own something and I want to buy it from you, I can only buy it if, one, it's available. Now, if you want to sell something, you can only sell it if there are people who are willing to buy or there are people or if there's money out there for even people who are willing to buy, maybe they don't even have the money to buy, right? Hence why stimulus checks and um, unemployment bonuses were going out because people needed, they were, they were pumping liquidity into the market by giving you and I money because if they gave us money, We'd be willing to spend it. Had they not given us money, there would be no one there to buy anything. So it's just as important that you and I participate because even if we don't participate, 
we are pawns in the game just the same. If you're someone who doesn't invest in the stock market, but you got a stimulus check and you spent it, well, guess what? You may not have invested, but you played a part in the major uh, decision of the rest of the investing community, right? So it behooves you to kind of try to pick up on this stuff so you can start participating because whether or not you believe it, whether or not you think you are, you're still a pawn in the scheme. So instead of being a pawn, you want to be able to level up and be able to take some more control. So what have we established so far? The uh, S&P 500 is an indicator. It moves like a river. There are several indicators that move like a river, and it is essentially showing the broader um, sentiment for all the market participants b- between me and you, but also major institutions or bank banks and, and large um, volume traders. So by following where the majority of the, the, enth- the enthusiasm and the sentiment is going, it gives us an idea of how to trade. Because if we want to trade a stock and the stock market is going in one direction, we can we can conclude that it is it is a potential that whatever stock you want to trade will follow the rest of the market, assuming it's not an outlier. Now we talked about the S and P, then we also came down and talked about tech, the tech sector, right? Again, that's going from a major market to what's called a sub-market or a sector, right? By doing that, it allows you to begin to start to narrow down to get to a position where you want to trade. You can trade the S&P 500. You can trade the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones is, is 30 large companies. You can trade the NASDAQ 100, you know, top 100, mainly tech companies, right? You can trade larger, broader markets, but you can also trade smaller individual stocks like a Facebook, right? Facebook is in the S&P 500. Facebook is in a smaller technology sector. Facebook is in um, various index funds, right? There are different ways to trade specific stocks by looking at sub market or what are called sectors and ETFs. Then after you look at those, then you can come down to the specific market looking at, you know, if you want to look at communication stocks or what have you. So let's 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 break it down kind of. We'll talk about the SP 500. We'll go from SP 500, then let's come down to a a tech ETF. Right, we're looking at a technology ETF. And then within technology, we go down to um let's say semiconductors. Right, semiconductors, um, those and those who make like computer chips and things like that, and then from semiconductors we go down even further, another notch to AMD. Now you can trade anywhere along this line. You can trade the entire river, or you can trade a fish in the river. Right, if we keep using that river analogy, because I think it helps. You can trade the tech sector. You can trade the semiconductor, entire semiconductor group, or you can trade one stock within the semiconductor group, like AMD, NVIDIA, uh, Intel, right? Those are different semiconductor groups, Qualcomm. You can go all the way down. Like typically myself, I do not trade the broader market. I don't trade uh, specific sectors. I trade specific stocks. But whenever I trade a stock, I always make my way up before I make a decision. What does that mean? If I'm interested in a stock like AMD, which is a semiconductor, if I look at AMD and I say, I think AMD is going to go up based on technical analysis 
or fundamental analysis. Now we'll talk about technical analysis and fundamental analysis later on in the school, later on um, in these episodes or in these, uh, you know, well, trading school days. But for now, we'll just we'll just say the word technical analysis, right? So AMD looks like it's going to go up to me, according to different indicators that I'm using. Now I go up and I say, okay, now that I know AMD, I think it's going to go up. Let me look at what the semiconductor group is doing. Okay, the semiconductor group is going up, which means companies that are very similar to AMD in, in what they do very specifically, right, um, in terms of computer chips and making um, parts for computers, etc., other companies that are very similar in business structure to AMD are also doing this, right? Let's say they're also going up. So AMD is going up and this smaller group is going up. Let me go up another level. Okay, it looks like the tech sector. The tech sector is doing relatively well. More people are buying um, desktops to use at home. More people are buying, um, upgrading their PCs. Maybe they had a PC, but they need to upgrade to make it a little stronger, a little faster, improve the graphics. Maybe they're a graphic designer and they need a stronger graphics card in their PC, right? So the tech sector in general, right, the entire is going up. Apple is going up. You know, Facebook, Google is going up. So if the tech sector is going up and semiconductors are going up and the company that I like, AMD, is going up, what is the broader market doing? Now, the broader market, if it's going up, now you have three things, four things lined uh, up with what you want, right? The SPY is going up or the S&P, the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones is going up. Tech sector is going up. The specific semiconductors are going up and AMD is going up. When things are all in alignment, right, now you have a reason to trade. I'll repeat that. When things are in alignment, now you have a reason to trade or invest, whatever you want to call it. That's a good thing. The idea is to try to line up as many things as you can. Now, each chart that you look at, so we let's take a second and recap that and try to absorb that. The second thing is each chart has uh, time frames. Use the same principle. Remember, it's, it's, it's much, try to make it as simple as possible. Without getting too technical, I want you to use that same principle of outside to inside, right? Big to small. I like AMD. I think AMD is going to go up. Depending on the type of trader you want to be. If you want to be a, uh, a, a short-term trader, like you want to get in and get out doing one in, in, inside of one day, or you want to trade over the course of a couple weeks. Whichever one you decide you want to do, or which what whichever one is you're emotionally um, comfortable doing, then that's the one you want to look at, right? So say I want to trade um, during the day, right? I want to get in and get out by the end of the day. I don't like going to sleep knowing that my money is out of my possession. Um, I don't normally recommend this. It's not easy to learn how to trade intraday. But it can be done, right? We're not here to recommend anything. But when you're looking intraday, there are several time frames. It's the same principle. We look at okay, what does these? What is the stock doing on a daily basis? Is it trending in the direction that I like? Two, I go down to maybe an hourly chart, and I say, okay, over the course of two days, 
this is how it's been moving on an hourly chart. Then I go down to 30 minutes and I say, okay, this is how it's been moving every 30 minutes. If I want to trade intraday, I'm typically trading on a 5-minute chart, a 15-minute chart, a 5-minute chart, or a 1-minute chart. So I've now gone from a daily chart to see, okay, it's going in the direction that I like. An hourly chart, now we're inside of that day. We're looking at how it's moving on an hourly basis. Now we're looking at the 15. Now we're looking at the 5, and now we're looking at the 1. And you can make your decisions that way. Now, if you want to go from the outside in, I mean the inside out, you're welcome to do that, but you want to make sure you're validated. Like if you see something on a five-minute chart that gets you excited, like, man, I like this. I like how it's moving on a five-minute chart. It's got a lot of strength. Then take the time to go back and look at, okay, maybe you go back and look at the daily chart or go back and look at the hourly chart over um, the last couple of days. You just want to be able to validate things as best as possible, and by taking a step back and looking at the broader trend, right, looking at the river, it gives you an idea of is your theory backed up by actual proof, right? You're not here guessing. If you want to gamble, you go to the casino. The stock market is not for gambling, right? People, there are gamblers here, but they're the ones that are supposed to be giving us their money. We're not supposed to be giving them our money, Um now, there is a, uh, a big emotional component that decides where, where, when, and how you trade. If you are somebody that is very tied emotionally to their money, it is a little hard to hold positions for a long period of time. I personally, I've held positions for weeks. I've never held positions for months. I've never held positions for years. Warren Buffett I'm, has, has held positions for you know months and years. There are people who aren't comfortable doing that emotionally. They have to see something. They want something, whatever. You have to determine your own emotional maturity to determine, okay, I want to trade this frequently or I don't like to trade frequently. I want to trade the bigger markets because I, I have a better idea of what I'm looking at and I have a large amount of money to you know, put to work, or I want to trade specific companies within sectors, and I'll do the extra work, the research, because I'm looking for, you know, you're looking for more potential for gain, right? So you have to decide what type of person that that you are. Now, a real-life example. Even in the recent crash, the, the, the one in March, the stock market has been in a bold, an uptrend, has been going up for the last five years. Even though that crash, right, triggered a lot of, you know, a lot of fear within the market, right? We talked about this emotion. We talked about it, enthusiasm of, of people who are in the market. Even though people got scared and there was a lot of selling, we never broke below the low that we had in 2018 because we had a similar um, selling in 2018. Now, even though we had a big drop-off because of COVID, it never went, it didn't go lower than that 2018 scale, which was two years ago, and there was no COVID then, which means people were not more fearful um, than they were in 2018, even though the circumstances were different. Right, that technical level held up. Now it rebounded sharply 
back to the new highs, right? Back to old highs and then coming back to new highs. And this was this is COVID's not even over yet, and it are, it's already at new highs, right? What does that mean? The river held true, even though we had a huge scare in March and we had a big, big drop off. It bounced right back to continue the uptrend that it was already in. So if you're somebody who can hold positions for months and you saw that happen, you still saw that it was going in the uptrend. So you added to positions once things got cheap. If someone, if you're someone who's a short-term trader and that happens and you don't take the time to, to, to look out and look backwards and take a step back at the bigger chart, then you went and you were one of those people who sold in a panic and were, was afraid to buy when it was at the bottom because you didn't see that the uptrend was still maintained because it never broke below that low from 2018, right? So the, the idea is never to panic and to just look, right? The stock market is super, super simple if we just put it in a very everyday term, right? If the river speeds up and it's still going in the same direction, there's no need to panic. If the river slows down and even maybe comes to a standstill, there's no reason to panic. The whole idea is to look at the broader, the bigger picture, see what you're seeing, Start to hone in on what it is you want to do specifically as it pertains to your emotional strength in the market and to decide, okay, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and these are the reasons why I believe that I may be correct. And you're using the, you're, you're taking that outside in approach to help validate your reason for getting into a trade. If you do this every single time as you look at the market, trading becomes a lot easier and a lot simpler. Now, there are a lot of nuances to this, which we're going to talk about in the later episodes for the Market Adventures Trading School. But I wanted you to, I wanted to be able to take this, this topic, which is why this episode will be a lot longer than the rest of them. I wanted to take this topic and try to, to simplify it and shrink it as much as possible so that Anybody who's listening to this has an idea of, okay, well, he didn't use a lot of terminology, but it makes sense to me, right? S&P 500 is just an indicator, right? The stock market is just, is the way the stock market works is based on emotion. It's based on you and me and even the big boys all coming together to have an emotional reaction to what's happening in the economy. The market moves up and down based on that emotion, Right, People buy and sell based on their fear or their greed. If I want to trade something, I want to look at the bigger picture because if everything is moving in the right direction, there's a possibility that what I want might move in that direction too. So it's about just break it down very simply, skip the terminology, throw it out the door, and just try to understand the concept in mind. And then from there... You listen to the next couple episodes, and we'll talk, we'll start to really dive in specifically on those things that we use to help validate our decision to enter into a trade. Just a point of clarity. I said a lot of times during this episode that it's easier than we think. Remember, easier than we think doesn't mean easy. Right. By no means. I'm not saying the stock market is easy. That'd be insulting to the people who spend, 
you know, eight to 10 hours a day looking at the charts and are professional, professional traders. It'd be an insult to their skill and experience. All I'm saying is it is easier than we make it seem to break into this space because the education is out there. So that's why we're doing these episodes. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for, which is essentially class number two of our Market Adventures Trading School.